don't you see how the rest of the country looks upon the greatest movie of all time like left-wing communist jewish homosexual pornographers i think of us that way sometimes and i i'm in it today on the podcast annie hall Welcome, everybody, to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the American Dream, Rick Barrasso. Oh, that was a good one. I'm just Eric Smith today. We are going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help decide which is the greatest of them all. And today, we have a very special guest, our first two-time, two-time guest, Chris the Bod Bonapani. How are you doing today, Bod? Good, buddy. Thank you. Thank you very much, Derek. Excellent. How are you doing, Rick? Doing excellent. I'm so glad that you're back. As soon as we had the last episode with you, I told Rick, I was like, we need to have him on very soon. And I'm glad that it's sooner than I thought. Hey, happy to be here. You know, big excellent. fan of the show. Well, we're glad to have you. And as much as we'd uh, like to start having fun, let's uh, handle some business first. We are talking about Annie Hall today. And just as a... Uh, you know, sort of a, uh, a warning or, or message up front, Woody Allen has been accused of terrible crimes. Uh, if they're true, he deserves to be behind bars. And like we said uh, last week with Joss Whedon, we're going to discuss issues like the allegations against him as they become relevant to our conversation and to his work. It is pretty hard to avoid when he's the main character, writer, and director of the movie. So if you feel like Woody Allen is not worth a discussion, or if you want to tap out of this episode now, we totally understand. And we hope to see you back with us next week uh, when we talk about the Green Mile. So that being said, and before we get into the movie itself, let's talk about last week. Uh, we took our signature deep dive into Marvel's The Avengers. It was a great discussion about one of the most significant movies of the last 10 years. Uh, and if you want to listen to that one, you know, and I highly recommend that you do or any of our library, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever app you like. And if you want to recommend any movie to us or join in our conversation, we are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook at great movie cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rick on Instagram. And you can always email us at greatest at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our old friend, Bruce Wayne would say, tell your friends about us. By the way, yep. Rick, yep. watching the Avengers spiraled me into watching a crap load of marvel movies over Excellent. the week and i saw endgame i watched ragnarok twice because Excellent. i love that one uh i went crazy watched all the avengers watch all the captain americas um watching all i'm trying to convince my wife to watch them all from the beginning so we'll see how that goes excellent excellent glad to hear it but let's uh let's get to this week and chris when we originally we were gonna originally do the the best picture oscars for yeah for, yeah. for this year so, and and one of them we couldn't say, find the turning point we couldn't I, find what's a you know, I just say that I feel like uh, you duped me, Rick. I know, I know. I feel like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do seventy seven, and I look at the slate, and I'm like, well, you know, I can't. I I should have chose the Goodbye Girls and avoided the controversy. But I looked at, it, I'm like, I can't pick Star Wars. That's gonna be, you know, for that's gonna be a bigger thing than just me. So I'm like, all right, I haven't seen the other two. I'll do any Hall, and then you're like, oh yeah, by the way, we're not gonna do that year. So now here we are, embroidered in the 
actually current because of HBO yeah. controversy. Which I would I did not know that documentary was going to be uh, coming out when we uh, when we discussed it originally, but it does make it topical certainly. But yeah, Annie Hall. It's a 1977 romantic comedy, maybe one of the wo- most uh, well-regarded of that genre. Like we said, written by, directed by, and stars Woody Allen as Alvy Singer, and it has Diane Keaton as the titular Annie. And it's got another you know, other great actors in, in, in smaller parts, Shelley Duvall, Carol Kane, ton of great people. It's got an 8 on IMDb, a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 97% on Metacritic. Uh, I think probably that eight is due to maybe Woody Allen uh, and the and the the controversy and the the accusations against him. But it could also, you know, aside from the controversy, it could also come from just this is the type of movie that people make you watch. So if they're movie people or whatever, theater people, whatever, they're into this kind of thing. This is a movie that they say, "Oh, you have to see this." Yeah. And then whenever a movie is like that. It kind of, you know, there's a backlash to the people that don't want to see it that end up seeing it. And then they're like, oh, well, that wasn't that good. So it could be could some be. of that. Definitely, definitely. But let's talk about the first time we saw it. Chris, do you remember when you first saw Any Hall? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. So I, I grew up basically, the HBO film school is what I call it. My yeah. parents at HBO, and they used to just play all the best shit in the 90s. And this is one that I caught on HBO and my dad had told me before, like, you know, I'm like 13. He's like, Oh yeah. He saw that. I liked arty movies, artsy stuff. And he saw the attention span I had for like, you know, movies that were more sophisticated. Like for example, I saw Cape Fear in theaters. I don't know how old oh, I was, but my mother that, took yeah. me to see that. Yeah. And I oh, loved it. I remember, I remember loving that movie coming away. Like, Holy shit. That was so much better than Wizard of Oz, which is what I was watching too before that. The De Niro version, Scorsese or the original? Yeah. Yeah, we saw it in the, with yeah. my mother and my grandma. They thought it was a romantic movie about some kind of getaway to Cape Fear. Like, like, <laughs> like oh, it's got De Niro in it. And it's it's going to be a, a love triangle story. And then <laughs> saw it and I was like three or four, and I watched the lady get her cheek bit off. And then, yeah, and then there's this scene where he's just like speaking gibberish in the water. He's like, blah, blah, blah. yeah, freaking crazy. Yeah, and I fucking loved it. I was like, oh wow, this this is movies. What have you guys been showing me? This is the, this is the shit I need to see. Um, my mom tells a story. She's like, yeah, we wanted to like pull you out, but you started throwing a tantrum. You, you, you liking it. So we just let you go. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I would, I would uh-huh. let me see. So, so my dad recommended this one to me and I caught it on HBO. And I think I was, I want to say 13 at the time. And I was like, at the first time I seen it, I'm like, wow, this, this makes me look forward to being an adult. This looks like fun. You just, you're always with your friends. You're playing tennis. You're, you're just hanging out. You're going to, you know, you're performing on stages. I'm like, this movie makes sold me on like oh i can't wait to grow up yeah it it's definitely that i actually saw it more recently i was probably within the last 10 years uh that i saw it i think i was in college uh oh god i guess that wouldn't be the last 10 years never mind but yeah it was, it was definitely uh something that yeah something that i i you know, really tried to track down and yeah you know, when when you you look at these best movie lists and most significant movie lists then you know this this one definitely seems to pop up and you definitely see the dna of this in a lot of other comedies but Derek do you remember the first time you saw it I remember seeing it with Gia uh, I think she was the one who recommended it uh, so I think it was in the last you know, I have seen years. your wife basically cosplay as Annie Hall before so that does not surprise me at all really uh, that's, that's I've, I've maybe, actually maybe. said we were all hanging out one day I was like oh you're dressed like Annie Hall today that's funny I, I believe yeah. it but yeah, I remember, I remember seeing it I remember I wasn't blown away but I remember I think this time watching it 
I realized how influential it is and how many times it's being, it's been used, you know, in all different things. So I definitely appreciate it a lot more this time, but I can't pinpoint exactly when I saw it, but I remember seeing it definitely in the last 13 years with Gia. Derek, did this time watching it, having not been, you know, over the hill for it the first time, did you enjoy the jokes, like the humor, the sarcasm and that kind of witty stuff? Yeah, I, I, I appreciated it. Although for me, I just really wanted to strangle him the whole movie. Um, there's and, a, there's and, a lot to get over with this is him. Not, this has yeah. nothing to do with him in real life either. This is yeah. the specific character. Okay. I was also like, my schedule has been such a mess that like, I'm already stressed out. So when I watched it, he just stressed me out even more. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get into that. All right. So let's, uh, let's go over what happens uh, in the movie because we definitely understand if you don't want to look at Woody Allen for, for an hour and a half right now, you, you, might need to, you might need to know what happens in it before you can follow along with us. So Derek, uh, what, uh, what song have you chosen to time me on Spotify today? All right, we're going to do Black by Pearl Jam. Okay. Yeah, yeah, honestly, the, the plot is not too... There's a lot of jokes, there's a lot of gags, so the plot's not too heavy. So I think I'll clear it pretty easily. But uh, count me down when you're ready. All right. Three, two, one, go. We follow Alvy Singer, a misanthropic, possibly sex-addicted comedian, out of order through his relationship with Annie Hall. We see why some of his other relationships have failed and how his behavior sabotages this one. The only thing he seems to really love and hate at the same time is New York City, and Annie eventually leaves both of them. Along the way, we see the DNA of most comedies of the last four years. 19 seconds. Yep. Again, so, so much of this movie is gags and jokes and one-liners that it's not yeah, su super plot-heavy, Right. I feel like. But let's go because there's a lot of there's a lot of scenes that I think we a lot of like little scenes to me that uh, mm. that that would sort of uh, build my my top three. But let's uh, let's go through it. Derek, what's your number three scene? My number three was the therapy scene at the same time. Uh, I thought it was really clever and I could see how other movies have used this sort of style in the future, yeah. uh, specifically with 500 Days of Summer. I'm not sure if they directly took this from this movie or from oh, other ones. But 100%. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I wasn't totally sure, but I felt like it did. And like, I thought it was great how like they were saying some of the same things, but in kind of like the opposite, you know, and uh, I just thought it was very clever. I think, uh, you know, the direction of this movie is fantastic and the choices that were made are, I guess the one word I keep thinking of is just quirky. Um, every time you think that this is like a serious, like, uh Oh, this is, you know, it just, it twists. It, it, it makes you feel like, you know, I, I'm involved in, in a play uh, right now and it's a, it's a Panto. And basically Panto was like breaking the fourth wall all of the time. And this movie is just influential. I feel like it breaks the fourth wall any chance it gets. And yeah. I really appreciate that. Chris, what do you have for three? Well, I, I think that's a great scene too, Derek. I'm just going to add on to that scene. Um, just pay attention to the set decoration of each therapist's office. You know, Annie has like this f futuristic, modern, like you're, you're a free woman. And uh, that's the advice she's getting from the therapist. And the setting is very clean and like, you know, hopeful. And then Alvy's therapist is in the traditional conservative, I'm on the couch, not facing you, therapist. You know that's that's Ellie. Ellie references right. Freud like a lot in this movie. Like he's it, like there's there's a lot of like psychiatry jokes. Yeah, yeah, and it's in the it's in the cinematography. It's in the set decoration, and that's why I just want to add that to that scene. It's a good scene. So for me, Rick, you were talking about how like a lot of the materials fragmented. Yeah. So I'm gonna cheat on third favorite scene, and I'm okay. sorry to start cheating right away, but it is what it is. I'm gonna clump in all the the theme of 
pulling the curtain back on show business, I'm going to clump all those scenes together. And I'm just going to say the third favorite scene is showbiz depicted. So those bits would be, for example, when he's at the party in Los Angeles and when he's talking to the MC who wants him to write him new material, <laughs> all, all these like, this is show business working uh, behind the scenes. Think, uh, he's really great at, at, at taking meetings. I took a meeting with him. He'll take a meeting with me, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I already took that meeting. And, yeah. uh, you know, that, that's, that's the theme and it's very fragmented and they're only like 40 second bits across each time they appear so to put them all together you got like probably a three or four or five minute scene of, of that and uh, I, I would say that's my favorite. I, I almost wish we set up like a top three cameos because i love like jeff goldblum just there for no reason and that's uh yep. amazing <laughs> my number three is actually the christopher walken scene speaking of cameos yeah when he tells uh alvy i've uh you know, I've, I just fantasize about, I don't have a walk-in, but, uh, you know, I just fantasize about crashing my car. Fantasize about walking. <laughs> fantasize. Yeah, I don't you have drive a walk-in. <laughs> Driving off the... A year before the deer car. hunter, keep in mind. Yeah, yeah. So he's not quite walking yet, but, uh, yeah, and then uh, and then uh, Annie's family is like, well, why, why wasn't he drive you? And, and Woody Allen just terrified in the, uh, in the passenger seat. Definitely made me laugh. Derek, what do you have for two? So my number two is uh, the first time they're at Annie's house and they're doing the subtitles while they're having a conversation and yeah. having a drink. I think that's so clever. Um, I love that. I mean, I've seen it in so many movies in the future and it's yeah. nice to see where it may, be, may have derived from. And of course, I mean, there's, there's been pictures since like the beginning of time where there's like subtitles and there's funny jokes with it. But I feel like this, this really worked well. I, I didn't see it coming. And I loved it about this movie. This movie shows me things that I don't see coming. It almost tricks me into like, oh, like I didn't know, I didn't know they were going to go here. Sometimes movies are predictable. I didn't find this that predictable. And the humor spot on here. As much as I hate Alvy and I want to like throw, like just put a knife through his neck because of how much he annoys me. He's, you know, he's one of those characters that you kind of have to love at the same time. But he, he, you know, I could definitely see also in here like a George Costanza. And oh, sure. You know, and, 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 you know, I know that he, Jason Alexander's mentioned it in the past that he's gotten a lot of influence from Woody Allen, but I could see a lot in this movie and it made me smile a lot to think that like, he's just a whiny bastard, just like George is. <laughs> so, but yeah, I really enjoyed this scene. All right, Chris, what do you have for two? Uh, same scene as Derek. I agree with everything Derek said. And I think also that scene probably is the reason why I, I can't, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to the Oscars. I don't, I don't remember if they won, but I think they're both nominated. And I think it comes down to that scene. It's an iconic scene, like with the imagery and the, the double, the double speak bit. It's like yeah. the peak style of that film is that's that film, that image of that scene can sum that film up. Yeah. No, it's an absolutely great scene. Didn't quite make my list. My number two is the people watching scene. And that's probably the most iconic scene from the movie, I would say. Well, maybe that or like the lobsters or something like that. It just leads me to believe like how, just how much did Family Guy take from this, this movie? How much does it reference it? It's, 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 I mean, other than Star Wars, another movie from this year, uh, as yeah. we found out, got to be up there as, as the most it's done. I couldn't believe how much it took. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's funny. They're, they're both, you know, it, on top of their game and it's 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 a great scene all right number one scenes derek 
What's your number one scene? My number one scene is when they, they break the fourth wall for the first time when they're in the theater line. <laughs> uh, I, I just was, like I said, I didn't expect this. So he breaks the fourth wall, which I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. This is really funny. And he's complaining about the guy behind him. And the guy behind him jumps into that world of breaking the fourth wall. And he's like, wait a minute. Like, why are you saying this? And he's talking to the fourth <laughs> And then they bring on the guy who they're talking about. And they're he breaking the in. sixth wall in that scene. I was like, this is... Oh man, I had just a big smile across my face. I was like, it's so clever. It's so intelligent. It's, it's like intelligent humor. It's not stupid humor. It's actually pretty intelligent what they do. And, and they're able to uh, get a lot of laughs in that one. So that, I that love, was, yeah, that was Actually, I'm a professor of da-da-da. So I think my opinion is very valid. <laughs> and, and another Family Guy reference. Another yep. thing where, where Jesus comes to, to quote Quahog and he's like, you know nothing of my work, yeah. George Bush. Yeah. How you ever became the president of anything is incredible. So they took that directly from this movie. And I was like, wow, another reference. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, there's so many scenes that are that are taken from it. Chris, what do you have for number one? I think Derek, that's a great choice. But my number one. So I want to just talk a little bit about the script. I'll set it up. So when this movie starts, we talked about it's nonlinear, it's fragmented. We see like one scene could be five years ago to the next scene, which is supposed to be the modern timeline. So when we start the film, Alvy Singer is a complete character, and from Act One on, he unravels. Annie Hall ends up being the high point of his life by the time the movie ends. Uh, he, the scene where he's finally lost all control over Annie at the, almost towards the end when they're at um, Sunset Boulevard at the cafe, uh, he reaches his full regression as a person. As a back and into cars. Well, because well, that's, that's, it, it flashes right back to the, the right. bumper cars. That's my favorite scene. Um, the, the way they intercut it with the bumper car where in or the first scene, he tells you that's how he took his aggression out. Um, that's my favorite scene. Yeah, that's definitely, it, it builds to that and where he's just, he's just broken and pathetic at that point. Not a great scene right after that when uh, his, his friend says he was having sex with 16-year-old twins. That might want to take that one back, Woody. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Me and Jay looked at each other like, oh, my God. Ooh, yep. What is the mathematical possibility of that, Max? Yeah, yeah. So my number one is actually already mentioned. It's the uh, psychiatrist scene. And just that uh, that joke when they, you know, how much do you have sex constantly three times a week? Hardly ever, three yeah. times a week. It, just, it gets me every single time. And, you know, realistically, there's, this is one of those movies where if you ask me tomorrow, if you ask me next week, ask me the next time I watch this, it could be a different number one. Mm-hmm. you know because so much jumps out like no you know there's there's a ton of great scenes in this and it's just it just hits you one after another but yeah those are our favorite scenes just see for yourself watch it uh if you uh if you care to least favorite part of the movie for me kind of obvious just like anytime there's any uh, i'm having sex with 16 year old twins anytime anytime woody's around children in the movie i'm just like ugh it just takes me out of it chris what do you what's your least favorite part so i mean obviously that's a good one and obviously i agree but just to for the sake of argument i'll yeah. say something different so my least favorite thing about this film and i think it kind of holds it back in this one regard is uh, the the lack of music and yeah. i know why he's doing it i mean uh, the film language is there he's he's using cinema to make it feel like there's less cinema and i get it but I just think some of the bits could have worked with some of, you know, traditional Woody Allen. You usually have like Django Reinhardt picking away at the guitar in the background, stuff like that. 
uh, there's no music in the titles opening or closing. And a lot of the bits, there's even the slapstick bits don't have anything. And again, I don't, I don't think the movie should be overkilled with music. I just think it should have been a little bit of painting on these corners with some music usage. It, especially because there's, it's this movie is so many ways. And I mean, Manhattan kind of is this as well, like where it's just such a New York movie. Right. And, you know, there's Paul Simon's in it. And he's like so associated yeah. with New York. Like, and it's about music in a way. I mean, really, you got Paul Simon and you got Annie yeah. going up her singing career. Right. It's so. it's 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 a it's a it's a weird decision to have like almost no music in it. Derek, what do you have for your least favorite part? Yeah, Paul Simon's kind of creepy in this movie. I'm not gonna lie. He's got a weird hairdo too. He's but, he's um, a guy who's like. <laughs> well, I feel like, I mean, Woody is I mean creepy on his own just being there. But the fact yeah. that like Paul Simon's another guy who probably like. I mean, both Woody and Paul Simon are guys like, well, if they weren't complete geniuses, they never would have gotten the girls that they ended up getting. Right. You know, so it's like, I bet they were like bonded over that. Maybe. Yeah. So yeah, right off the bat, the 16 year old thing was just like, oh boy, like, come on. It took me right out of the film. But I will say if I had to choose something else, this is controversial because I'm sure that a lot of people who love this movie will be like, what are you talking about? This is fantastic. But the out of order scenes kind of confused me in, in the beginning. I just, I, I kind of knew at one point, I'm like, wait a minute, they're just going to shuffle these around. That's just the way it's going to be. But I feel like as the more, the more I would watch this movie, the more I would be like, oh yeah, yeah, this is really cool. But at first I was a little taken aback by it because there wasn't like, you know, some movies are at least like, oh, here's, here's a black and white to show you that this is the past. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, they're just so shuffled in that you're like, oh, okay, I guess they're not together now. And oh, I, together at this point you know what I mean at least 500 days yeah. of summer shows you like specifically like oh it's this day or it's that day so yeah. um but again I can see why yeah. it could be appreciated that way too so the interesting thing I think about about this movie one of the interesting things is that this movie was basically carved out of another larger movie like he was the original movie was going to be like a three and a half hour long movie called Anadonia which was it was going to be like linear and about how uh, Alvi just like fails at life and just like everything sucks you see a beginning where he's just like you know where is the scene which i almost made my my top three of like when he's facing the camera and he's like yeah there's the misery like life is is divided between the miserable and the horrible and like it, it's just it was gonna be a movie about just like somebody who's incapable of happiness and it kind of still is but that but during the editing process it, when it wasn't coming together i forget who it was but somebody says to woody like this movie's about Annie Hall, and he just re-edited the whole thing. So I read the original uh, shooting script, the one okay. you know, the final, the final script. And yeah. D Derek, your gripe—not uh, that it's a gripe, but you know what I mean—that is not present. It's it's present in the editing. It's not present in the script because the script is properly like headlined and setted. Mm -hmm. So, so at the head at the top of the page, it would say, you know, flashback five years ago, whatever, and it, it has a more clear timing place of each bit but it doesn't trans and i like that they don't do titles because that the way to get around that would be to have a title five years ago whatever uh two years ago i like that they don't use it and it does you have to stay on your toes you have to kind of pay attention with it but i think once you get past that first act it's pretty clear where each timeline is Gotcha. Yeah, it was just a little nitpicky thing if i hadn't chosen the 16 year old girl part i was like what else can i just nitpick here but yeah, yeah i didn't hate it i didn't hate it so all right, so let's uh, let's go to medals. Derek, who is your bronze medal winner? I have Christopher Walken as my bronze. Fall, closely followed up with Jeff Goldblum with his one line <laughs> about, about the mantra. 
thought it was hilarious. But yeah, Christopher Walken's line, his, his scene is so memorable. And it's one of those things too, where like people are afraid to talk about things like this, but we're all human and we all have wacky thoughts. All of us yeah. do. And if you don't say you don't, then you're not telling the truth because everyone is sitting like in a classroom and, you know, thinking, what if I just like stood up and just stabbed myself in the neck with a pair of scissors? Well, like, what would happen? What would be the reaction of the people around me? Because it's just, it's a, it's, your brain thinks things like that. Why not? Not that you're going to do yeah. it. It's just a thought. So I love that they threw this in here and he's just like, yeah, I think about this. And Woody Allen's like, well, what the fuck? Like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> which, is, which is kind of a, you know, I feel like Woody Allen would understand that his character you know, would be like, oh, I get that because I think the world is miserable and horrible. But just, I think, uh, as small of a part that it was, I think that he uh, he did a great job here. He's just a weird dude. Yeah. My bronze, I went with Ruth Morley, who is the costume designer. Good choice. And yeah, because when you picture this movie in your, in your head, I feel like most people picture Annie Hall's wardrobe. Yeah, do the picture Diane Keaton's wardrobe. And I think it's such a an important part of the storytelling where you know what she is like just by looking at her. And it just it it's really such I mean, even even more so than you know, and the, the dialogue in a lot of cases, it really really tells you about Annie. So you know, and it's something different we haven't really talked about, but I think it's a, a very important aspect of this movie. Chris, who do you have for bronze? So I'm going to go with, and I know you could argue that he could have been higher, but I'm going to say Gordon Willis, cinematographer. Yep. Um, this, this film has been just the way he shoots New York, the colors, you know, the style of this film, it's peak 1970s film. This, this uh, cinematographer also did the Godfather trilogy, also iconically done. Uh, he does Manhattan, which is the follow-up to this. Uh, All the President's Men from the 70s, which is another huge film from the 70s. I, it didn't age as well as, as these other two. It's, it's about a current event back then, but yeah. these are all films that he shot. Well, and, I mean, considering thoughts about the yeah, comments people have made about the press in recent years, it may have aged better than you think. Oh, no, I agree. But yeah. I, I mean, in, in, in terms of accessibility, that people know it. You sure. know? And I, I think at the time, it was one of the biggest movies of the 70s. I don't know if people really know it like that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and the way he shoots New York, I think, is the uh, one of the MVPs of the whole thing. So I got to give him bronze. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you can tell whenever they're not in New York, right? Like, it's it's shot differently. It's Mm -hmm. like blown out. The color's a little blown out. Yeah, yeah. When they're in, you know, Minnesota or or wherever Annie is from, and then when they're in LA, obviously, like that's its own energy. Um, Mood mood lighting and shooting in this. Definitely, Derek. What do you have? Who do you have for silver? I went with uh, Marshall Brickman and I know he, he co-wrote this with Woody Allen. And um, I, I think, I don't know who came up with what, what bit, but I feel like he had a lot to do with it too, just as well as Woody. And um, I think that like, it's one of those scripts where like the story's progressing and then they have to figure out like where to put a specific part. That's like really, really over the top funny. And I feel like a lot of movies just crunch a lot of funny stuff in at once. And it just becomes a big mishmash of just bullshit. And like, you know, not taking beats. Beats are so important. Like stop things like timing. And I'm, he must've worked really well with Woody because the script came out really, really well. And those moments were in there sporadically and, and purposefully. And I think that um, does a lot for a film. It's just like, you can tell that it was thought out and it was well-written. Yeah. My silver, I went with Diane Keaton. You know, Annie's like, I just find her so incredibly charming. She's, she's 
not like a Mary Sue at all. Like we mentioned this in another episode coming up that like, yeah, she's, she got, she got her flaws, but I mean, all the DNA of some of the recent movies that we came from, the recent characters that we talked about in some of our recent episodes. I mean, you can see Summer in her, you can see Clementine in her. There's so many, so many characters that are, are taken from this or aspects that are taken from this character and applied to others. It's just, it's, it's a really iconic performance. Chris, what do you have for Silver? So I'm going to have to piggyback off you and, and yep. trust me, she was knocking on gold, but yeah. I, I just, I, I just was like, okay, Silver, I guess Silver's not bad. And I have to tell you, I met her, you know, you know, I worked in that Santa Monica movie theater for sure. a couple of years and I used to meet a lot of big people cause that's where they would go watch movies. Um, I met her in person and she is the most radiant, most charismatic person I've ever met. And she is impressive in a room. She will blow anyone away. The way she looks at you, her energy, the vibe, it's on a whole other level. She's probably my favorite queen of Hollywood. And like you said, this is the prototype. Annie yeah. Hall is the prototype. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's move on to it. Gold. Yeah, she, I just, she certainly did a great job. Um, yeah, I would say that we could probably all just kind of do a yeah. free for all here because we're I'm sure we all love Woody. Yeah. Um, and so we can all just jump in if we want rather than going in order. But yeah, he's yeah. he's he's the king here. Um, you know, he wrote it, he he starred in it, he he got all the the, the he he did everything right. He did everything right in this movie, except for the 16 year old shit. You know, yeah. he's he's funny, he's witty, he's like I said, he before he's so annoying to me because I have that sort of like I have that feeling in my brain too of like, I, I almost look at everything negatively. Like the, the glass is half empty almost. I have that sort of mentality. Like what's going to happen? What's going to go wrong? I'm a stressful person. I'm uh, everyone who knows me knows that I'm a fucking bag of nerves at every moment of every second. Cause I'm always just nervous about shit yet. He still bypassed my brain of like, man, this guy is neurotic and crazy and <laughs> I want to slap him in the face, but he, th- th- everything works and good for him. This might be. I mean, I, I mean, what is is this probably his most well known movie at this point? Yeah, uh, at this point, I would say so. Yeah, yeah, I would say it still probably is. I don't think anything else would have would have overtaken it. But yeah, I like. I really, I hate that he's so good in this. Almost, I mean, like it's and and this is not just him. It's just like any scumbag who is so good. Like we're going to talk about American Beauty coming out uh, in, in a few weeks. Um, and it, it's like good scumbag in that. <laughs> yeah, there's a real good scumbag performance in that, or performance by a scumbag in that. But I mean, when you look at this, you know, yeah. just like just think of any random scene, like him sneezing the cocaine. I mean, like how much has been taken from this? You know, he's the ultimate neurotic character. Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life was based on this character. That's how like deep and like widespread these tendrils are. You know, he wrote it, he directed it, he's hilarious in it. I, I'd love to be able to take it away from him, but I can't. I mean, what else can you say? This this guy started in a staff room, comedy writer. He did a couple slapstick films, like that didn't, they were funny, but they didn't really show technique. In this guy, obviously, they watch in Bergman in the movie. Big Bergman guy, loves technique, loves technical cinema. He pours his heart, pours the soul, and he makes this film feel authentic. It's one of the most rewarding viewing experiences in movies. And like you said, that character, that neurotic, bumbling, confused character, sharp-witted, fast-talking, he creates that screen image, which is like kind of how people know, aside from all controversies aside, this image, this character is kind of how people know him and assume he is in real life, which 
I mean, from everyone's account that know him, that's not how he is. He's very like relaxed, mellow. He plays the clarinet, loves jazz type of guy. And uh, we all assume because of this movie that he is this neurotic bundle of nerves. And Derek, I think we relate to that because this becomes kind of a stereotype that people use derogatory against Jews. And it's, it's obviously all stereotype. It's a bullshit thing, but I think we Italians relate to that kind of neurotic stuff because of, you know, growing up Catholic, being told all the things God is watching you, your grandparents are watching you in heaven, all the things they tell us when we're kids as Catholics. Um, he's around, he's watching you at all times. Be scared to die. Be neurotic, neurotic families. I think Italians relate to this. I mean, you, am I speaking for you guys or do you agree? Oh, well, <laughs> oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Rick. Well, I was going to say the, the scene where we see Alvi's family when he's, he's younger, it's like, that could have just been, they could have yeah. been fucking eating meatballs. Like that's, you know, it, it was, it was so on the money to stuff that I've, I've seen in my life. Yeah. And, and, and as for me, a lot of that stuff is what pushed me away from religion. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to go ahead and blame my family for, for that, but I, I understand it. I understand how like it made me more nervous and, and, and then, than ever. And of course I read between the lines, it's another part, but I mean, yeah, I agree with you there though. It's definitely part of our upbringing. So those are our medals. Let's go on to recasting. And I have, uh, I have a couple I have uh, Alvy and Annie. If I was going to recast it today, it, I, I was looking for, you know, another neurotic Jewish actor who could who could pull this off but not be completely the same and i went for alvy jesse eisenberg it's a good choice so that works because did you see uh, cafe society i have not so jesse eisenberg basically plays the woody allen archetype in cafe society and he's basically doing a woody allen impression and it works it's it's one of his okay. best like recent films check it out for annie so the I think the, the key thing with Annie is she's going to be a super stylish to contrast with the, the neurotic uh, Alvy. And she has to be from like another culture. So in, in, in the original it's, you know, she's from a very like waspy family. And right. yeah, this one, I went with Zoe Kravitz who is right. part Jewish, but obviously is, of a multi-ethnic background and you know you could do the the fish out of water scenes but but have them be a little bit different derek i'd watch i'd watch that that sounds i think so yeah I that'd be interesting so. to say though yeah definitely i think so derek do you have any recasting i went with the same two uh two two characters, two characters? and okay. i went with two actors who i believe cannot do wrong okay in my opinion uh, and again, if you can't see it, that's fine. It was just me, my brain working. But uh, I thought of Sam Rockwell and Scarlett Johansson transforming into mm. these roles. And I just see Sam, Sam Rockwell, everything I've seen him in is just fantastic. I think he can um, do anything. And, he, I, yeah. I feel like he can be this weaselly guy with glasses and just like he can do the part really, really well and look at the camera. He's so funny and when he wants to be. And Scarlett Johansson, especially in the movie Marriage Story, she transformed yeah. in that movie. And I could see her transforming into Annie Hall and being that. Do I think she's maybe too beautiful for the role. I don't know if that even means anything, how beautiful. If anything, I think if, if either of those two are too beautiful, it's Sam Rockwell. <laughs> it's me too. Yeah. He's a handsome fellow, but yeah, that I think it, it, it might work. And I just had fun thinking about it. Yeah. Marriage story basically owes uh, Woody Allen a royalty check. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
recasting. Guys, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm glad you, you come up with some good ones, but for me to try to think about it, I was like, well, this movie basically does get recasted every time they do a That's life true. and death relationship movie. So I stayed away from the, the, the two characters, the main characters, but I did come up with this and it's going to jump with me through the rabbit hole, okay? All right. This, this is a weird one. The only thing, when I was thinking about the time and place this movie came out, I'm like, what is this movie missing in the cast? The only thing I could think of is Danny DeVito. Somewhere in here. <laughs> maybe, maybe you take Annie's band, right? And she has like this ex-lover and current drummer for her music performances. And maybe that's played by Danny DeVito. What if uh, instead of... In, you know, instead of having his uh, his friend who moves to Hollywood, uh, that friend is played by Danny DeVito. See, I thought about that too, but I feel like that the, the, that you know Listen, Max Max he has to be a little bit kind of sexy, and I don't think DeVito is at this point quite sexy enough. If it's this is ta- this is taxi years, so he's uh... yeah. well, he he hasn't his sex appeal hasn't developed yet. You know, he's kind of like the bumbling middle class guy at this time. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Let's uh, let's if we can if we might have to to if we can fit Devito into any of our movies that we cover, then uh, I think we uh, we should do it. Exactly. He's like hot sauce. Put him on. Put him on top and make it better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, thing that this movie does better than any other, because only one movie can be the greatest movie of all time, but every movie can do at least one thing better than every other. Chris, what does this movie do best? Okay, so there's a couple things here. Obviously, you know what I'm going to say because you guys know me personally. I think that this is the greatest rom-com of all time. And so many times it's been imitated. What's that old expression? Often imitated, never duplicated. Yeah. Put the historical context in there too. Up until this time, the greatest rom-com of all time was still bringing up baby. And that's kind of like, if you guys haven't seen it, it's like a slapstick, very situational. Sure, yeah. G is obsessed. That might be G's favorite movie of all time. Do you think it's one of the funniest movies of all time, Derek? It, I've seen it like three or four times because she's always makes me, always makes me watch it. Really, really funny. I don't know if it's number one for me. It was number one for like the AFI and the Academy. It was their like number one funniest movie of all time for a long time. Right. And I think this movie drops and it just changes up how most rom-coms or all rom-coms ended with the happy couple this one doesn't right uh, the, the funny girl the funny guy and they're so extraordinary in the sense that they're just not normal people usually the the, the funny women and the funny guy in the movie they're kind of relatable these are quirky characters and in that sense you know it's it's a masterpiece and i i think it's the greatest rom-com of all time Excellent. it's it's tough to disagree with that it really is. I'm trying to think of what even would be number two. Like when Harry Met Sally, maybe for me would be number two. That's uh, that's a candidate, and it's it's got yeah. unorthodox things about it, but also it's kind of derivative of this. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I think so. It's I mean, there's there's so many movies that you can be like, is it a romantic comedy? Like, not that I'm saying this is as good as as as. Uh, uh, any hall but like is forgetting sarah marshall or something like that well it's romantic it's got romantic parts it's a comedy right. but th- that's the you know does it fit that and i think this is the best movie that fits that fits that mold really yeah it's a, you know it's a genre creating movie 
because the genre before this was not what it was after this. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's tough to, it's tough to do it. And it's also, I mean, one of the more influential comedies, but other than like, to get something more or as influential as this, you have to go back to like the Marx brothers and the three stooges and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's, it's probably the most, I mean, the most influential romantic comedy, if not the best. And it's, it's, it's one of, if not the best for me of of that genre. Derek, what is, uh, what do you have? So I'm sure Chris could correct me here because I think his scope of movies is bigger than mine. But I think um, for me, as far as movies that I've seen, I think this is the earliest time I've seen breaking the fourth wall work so well in a movie. So for me, this is like, because it's the first one, as far as like timeline goes, I think that it's, like you said, it can't be duplicated as good as, as this. So I think that breaking the fourth wall is the, is, is, works the best in this movie. Um, and I've That's seen so absolute. many others. Yeah, I've seen so many movies try it, and it works. Don't get me wrong; other movies have perfected it too. But because they're pulling so much from this movie, it's 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 like uh, it's like the Beatles, right? You know, it's like they're the first band to do band stuff right. Therefore, every band that tries to do stuff kind of takes a yeah. little bit from the Beatles. Well, it's <laughs> not. It's, yeah, like it, it, not even movies. Like you don't have to look at movies. Like look at TV. Like how many comedies? <laughs> how many sitcoms of the last? you know, how many ever years, 15, 20 years, 10, 15, 20 years, have someone sitting looking at the, at the, at the camera talking, you know, the office parks and recreation, uh, I think does that. Like it's like the basis of their whole show. Yeah. Is yeah. that thing, and it's, so it's this, it's just a huge, huge influence on, on comedy, you know, movies, TV, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of things that you probably love owe a lot to this. So, Let's jump to the Oscars. Now, this was a year that we were going to to cover, but we're not going to. It's interesting. This this year is interesting. You know, Annie Hall wins for Best Picture. Star Wars is nominated. So right there, you have two of the most influential movies ever made. Goodbye Girl, Julia, and The Turning Point, which doesn't exist online. Now, I've seen Annie Hall in Star Wars. I would absolutely listen to a case for either just it, it, especially historically looking both of them are so influential on so many movies and tv shows and, and everything so either i would take either one the other ones i've not seen i've heard of the good guy, goodbye girl the other ones before i attempted to watch the turning point i hadn't even heard of so chris i feel like you probably have a better better well, grasp on this year uh yeah because I, I was getting all pumped up for 77 when you guys contacted me I even got a tattoo. Oh, no. No. So (laughs) I I did watch Julia, and it is a good film. It's powered by some great acting. Jane Fonda, I mean, it's got some good acting, and Jason Robards. But it's what became kind of like a cliche since then. It's Oscar bait. It's an Oscar bait movie. Heavy cream, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it led in nominations, maybe rightfully so. I think it had like over 10. But you, with this and Star Wars and even The Goodbye Girl, I don't think you justify Julie. It was good. I mean, it deals with rescuing a, a childhood friend from Nazi Austria, Nazi Germany, who gets kind of mixed up with the freedom movement. And it's a good movie, but I just don't, it's, it's, it's not on the level of these other movies in terms of iconology. And a lot of people still today haven't heard of it. And, and you know, that doesn't stand yeah. the test of time. 
I think the I think the Academy was looking for something more mainstream, and and this was a huge hit. This movie and Star Wars were both huge hits. Uh, Goodbye Girl is one of my is another one of my favorite movies to watch. It's one of the finest examples of Neil Simon. It's his most concise to the point rom com. It's not muddled, and in, in many ways, it's the it's the opposite. It's the anti Annie Hall. It's a romantic fantasy where Annie Hall is doing like romantic reality comedy. Yeah. That one is more, it's, it's about a couple that kind of rescues each other by becoming roommates at the same place. Cause they, the landlord leases it to both of them. Cause the other lady's supposed to be evicted. And it, it's, it's kind of like not real, but it's great. Great acting too. It's, and I mean, that's got You get Richard Dreyfuss at like the height of his charm and powers, right? you know, yeah, and it, fantastic. I think he got nominated too. He won best actor actually. Oh, he did uh, win. He, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Let's go to Best Director. Woody Allen wins for Annie Hall. Other nominees, George Lucas, savor it, George, for Star Wars. Steven Spiel, Spiel? Spielberg, Spielberg, Steven Spielberg. Close Encounters, the third kind. Fred Zinneman. Yeah. Fred Zinneman for Julia and Herbert Ross for The Turning Point. The Turning Point, by the way, for those who don't know, is a ballet movie which stars fucking Mich- uh, Mikhail Baryshnikov, who was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, which is just bizarre. The the clips I found, I was like, kind of like, oh, well, I'm glad I didn't have to watch this whole thing, to be honest. Uh, looked, a little, looked a little weak to me, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Best Director. And I mean, like, I'm not going to make people pick between Best Picture uh, for Annie Hall and Star Wars or even the Goodbye, Goodbye Girl, because that's... That's a tough choice, and I think both are valid. Uh, best director, though. You get Spielberg, you get Lucas, you get Woody Allen. Right. Now, Close Encounters might be the Spielbergiest of the Spielbergs. You know, that or E.T. Too much uh, Spielberg. To, it, overdo- you we're overdosing on Spielberg here. It's too much. Too much, uh, too much hot sauce. T- too much Spielberg with a side of Spielberg, yeah. Yeah. I might go with Woody here just because I feel like this isn't the best example of what Lucas can do yet. True. Um, well, well, to be honest, yes, it is for directing because he uh, like he doesn't direct Empire, he doesn't direct Return of the Jedi, and then he doesn't really direct anything until what? Like, does he direct Howard the Duck? Okay, well then you, you yeah. just corrected me then. Yeah. Um, okay, well I, if that's I the case, I agree I'm, with Derek's original yeah. opinion. I still, I'm still with your original opinion, Derek. You think one of the prequels is directed better than this? I, I, when, I think we're not going to get into it. Okay. <laughs> well, I was okay. going to say, I, 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 you don't want to know my opinion of Lucas quite yet as a director. I yes, guess. save it. <laughs> I, I mean, I agree. He's a great world builder, but yeah, my yeah. favorite Star Wars movies, you know, are not directed by him. I would say, mm-hmm, right. you know, or at least two, two, my two favorite Star Wars movies. But I think Woody, Woody deserves it just because it's a refreshing. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a new experience. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars is too, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> actor. Best actor. Richard Dreyfuss wins for the Goodbye Girl. Woody Allen nominated for Annie Hall. Richard Burton in Equus. Uh, Marcello Mastriani in A Special Day. And how about this one? Our old friend from Pulp Fiction, John Travolta, is nominated for Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> what a big role that was. That was a yeah. huge role. What's his that character's movie, name again in that? Tony Monero. Monero. That yeah. movie is not what you think it is. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean. Great soundtrack, I though. Think, yeah. 
the argument against Travolta would be, of course, it was iconic and it creates this whole era of disco. Like, you know, some of our parents are still in it, you know? Yeah. And I think the argument against it would be the strength of that script, which is a really good first act. We're talking when you start that movie, like, holy shit, this fucking disco movie is really good. And by the time it ends, it kind of fizzles the movie, yeah. I think. So my argument against Travolta would be that the script doesn't compare to some of these other movies. Yeah. I mean, looking at the, the performances, like I can't, like, like we said, Woody Allen's very funny. You know, in this, I mean, you've seen the goodbye girl, Chris, what do you, what is, how does Dreyfus stack up? So Dreyfus is, you know, he's, he's off the charts in that movie. He's yeah. great in that movie. But if I'm, I don't do I give it to Woody? Well, a minute ago we talked about it, and I thought Woody had one, so I'll just believe yeah. that. Here's that here's movie. here's the question I have though: Does Dreyfus win like for this, and also like, hey, I know you're not nominated for Close Encounters, but you're also in this one? Oh, you mean how they do like the you know this is the guy of the year type of thing? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah probably. So because even what, yeah, he, he did Jaws, and he fucking was electric in Jaws. You know, so that was a couple of years ago, and then yeah. he comes out with these two two bangers. Yeah, probably. Good time for him. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, like I said, peak of his powers there. Best actress Diane Keaton wins for for you know playing Annie. Anne Bancroft's nominated in The Turning Point. Jane Fonda and Julia Shirley MacLaine in The Turning Point, and Marsha Mason in The Goodbye Girl. So again, turning point, unless you want to fork over 80 bucks on Amazon to buy a DVD, it is unwatchable, literally. You can't watch it. You can't find it. It's not online. But, I mean, looking back on these, I mean, it's got to be Diane Keaton, right? Yes, yes. I mean, some of these other roles, great women, great acting. Diane Keaton, the subtlety, the subtlety of the acting really is, you can teach a class on it. Yeah, I mean, it's, she's, she's, she's so good. Like there's, I mean, there's, there's not much else to say. I, I hate to keep saying good, great, you know, but it's, it's the truth. So is there anyone we want to put forward for supporting actor or supporting actress? Not for me. Not from this film, but I yeah. did notice that Obi-Wan Kenobi got nominated for supporting actor. Yep. He sure great, did. Great nod. Harrison Ford should have won it. Yeah, well, you know what, Chris? Uh, this is probably a good time as any because we're, we're talking about Star Wars a bit here. We are soliciting, basically, our listeners to email us a Star Wars take, a Star Wars thought, a Star Wars opinion, anything you have on Star Wars. Because we're going to do Star Wars after we finish the, uh, the, 19, uh, excuse me, the 2000 Oscars. So email us. Uh, greatestmoviepod at gmail.com nice I like it you can start off should have Harrison Ford have won the should best Harrison support? Ford have won has, should Mark Hamill have been nominated for best actor should should Carrie Fisher have been nominated for best supporting actress or how about uh, how about James Earl Jones how about uh, you know what, what, what do we think send us your thoughts we want to get some conversation going on Star Wars and if I know Star Wars fans you get some negative opinions out there as well. So let us know in that. Uh, if you want to say fuck George Lucas for the special editions and the prequels, we'll let, we'll be there for you. Not just this movie, the whole star Wars series. I'll, I'll take it. But yeah, that's the, uh, that's the Oscars. Oh, by the way, the, the, they, this does win for best picture, best director. Uh, Annie Hall does um, best actress and original screenplay. Uh, and it's nominated for best actor, as we said. 
So now we come to the most important part of this show. And that is when we put 30 seconds on a clock, an actual clock. And Derek explains why this is the greatest movie of all time. Derek, are you ready? Let's do it. Three, two, one, go. This is one of the greatest romantic comedies of all time. It's quirky. It's funny. It's realistic. It's sarcastic. It's well-written. It's ahead of its time. This great acting. It's edgy. It's fun. Woody Allen and Diane Keaton, uh, they're at their finest here. It'll make you rethink or think differently about relationships. It's highly recommended, and it did amazing at the Oscars, which is also a plus. Great movie. All right, 26.3. Great job. So that, uh, that has been our episode on Annie Hall. Uh, yeah, if you have thoughts, like I said, find us, social media, email us, and uh, we'll be happy to, uh, to, to address them. But uh, let's talk about next week. And next week we are starting, finally, after a, uh, after a false start here our Oscar deep dive this, this time though, on the year we're going all the way to the year 2000. And we are starting that series off next week with our second Stephen King adaptation. And that's going to be the green mile. Yes, Absolutely. Looking forward to that one, Chris, while we have you on here, do you have anything to plug? Uh, I actually don't. Okay. Yes, but uh, you, maybe you didn't do Twitter follow of the week. Maybe you could. You I'm going to stay away. Yeah, I'm going to stay away from that one on on this one. There's no good can come from that. <laughs> I'm going to skip um, it this week. What about just do the Boston Globe? You know, that's like you want some current news. I I thought about doing Ronan Farrow, but I was like, yeah, maybe we don't want to dive into that. Um, well, there it is. You just yeah. did it. All right. <laughs> yeah, we'll, I'll think about it. We might follow Ronan Farrow if he's on Twitter. Yeah. So, listen, if Woody's guilty, fuck Woody. But uh, you know what? This, uh, like we said, if you can, you, you can, you can enjoy the work. And I, I, I know that we're approaching this from a, from a place of privilege here. You can right. a lot of times enjoy the work, and uh, you know, tell the tell the man to fuck off. And that's, uh, that's the line we're trying to walk here. Uh, we hope you will watch it with us. But if not, we get it. And we hope you join us next week. But Derek, do you have anything to plug? I know you have the podcast and you have a play coming up as well. Yep. Uh, so my podcast is the greatest album of all time podcast, which is the sister podcast to this one. It's a good show. Yeah, very similar for Thank you. Very similar format. We don't, we're not able to play the music, but we're hoping that you do listen to the album before listening for a better experience. And um, we do a variety of decades. So we're trying to, you know, find something for everybody. And I also have a play coming up. It's called The Panto Games. And it's a, pant a traditional English panto. It's over the top. It's funny. And it's only about an hour and 20 minutes. You can watch it on Zoom. I will Facebook that so you can get a ticket, which I believe is free. And, and I also have, I'm currently working on a solo album, uh, which I'm really excited about. I have a lot of good songs that I've been holding for a while now. So I'm excited to put that out in the next couple of months. Excellent. Well, check all that out and check out the Green Mile for next week. For now, I have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso. 
and I have been your co-host, Diamond Derek Smith. Ooh, you know yeah, what? I like it. Not bad. All Not right, bad. all right. You know what? Yeah, gaining on him, Derek. I, well, I'm trying. Listen, I'm trying. Let's right, let's yeah. not get ahead of ourselves. All right, all right. Double, double D. <laughs> DD, DDS now doesn't work. Doesn't work. Your, your no, Isaac Yank of DDS. <laughs> I'm waiting for the day. I don't know if you're going to use it or if you ever do because you're a shy boy, but uh, I'm waiting for the day where you use the nickname I've coined for you. Which one was that? Um, you know, it, it's, it's not family friendly, so you're probably thinking about it now, right? Okay. Yep. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm waiting for that nickname to pop up on the show. Well, there is a, a there is a there was a wrestler that used that uh, that nickname in, uh, in in ECW. So, uh, but it suits it suits you both. <laughs> That's, well, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we'll uh... <laughs> sorry. So yeah. Anyway, join us next week. And uh, yeah, so I've been Rick. Uh, Derek has been a dentist for some reason, uh, <laughs> and uh, and we've had Chris Bonapani on the show, the Bon himself. Thank well, thank pleasure you for be being here. on the show. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Keep watching, everybody. <laughs>